0: on this week's episode of the compete everyday podcast we talk about why you have to learn to make time because no one has it what's up competitors welcome back to a brand new episode of the compete everyday podcast my name is jake thompson i'm your host here on the show and excited to hang out with you as you have chosen to make time to listen to this episode so that you can build your mindset, grow your confidence, and learn ways you can win your work, your workouts, and your life. On today's episode, I welcome John Zaratsky. John and his co-author Jake Knapp wrote a book called Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day. And I really enjoyed this conversation as we talk about focus, productivity, how can we lock in on the things that we actually need to be doing instead of constantly being distracted and pulled in every single direction. One of the things I enjoyed most about today's conversation is a lot of the things John and I discuss mirror the same content, the same conversation points that I have when I go do keynotes, when I do workshops, uh, when I talk about having the focus of a champion. One of my most popular talks is all about Building a daily process, focusing on the things that matter, that move the needle in our career and in our life, instead of constantly being distracted by everything else. In fact, if you're listening to today's episode as it released on Wednesday, March 11th, I'm currently en route to Omaha, Nebraska, where I will be keynoting an insurance leadership conference today on having focus, how can we as leaders build our focus to be championship, to be locked in, but most importantly, why that matters to our teams, the people looking to us, expecting us to lead them, to show them the way. So I think you're gonna get a ton of value out of today's conversation, and as always, we've linked to purchase John's book in the show notes. You can get it, but definitely recommend checking out Make Time how to focus on what matters every day. To get connected with the community, be sure to join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. And as always, shoot me a note to podcast at competeeveryday.com. If you haven't said hi yet, please do so. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to hear how you found the podcast, what value you're getting out of it, maybe what show or topic you wanna hear us discuss in the future and how we can help you win at work and in life. Now, without further ado, let's welcome to the show, John Zoratsky. John, welcome to the Compete Everyday podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm excited. I'm glad that we connected. I've been a fan of your book, uh, having seen it. I believe in a Barnes and Noble, uh, or maybe on Amazon, and it the cover caught my attention as someone who talks and works in focus and helping sales teams, specifically leadership teams, dial that in for improved productivity. Yeah. Uh, you're speaking my language. And so <laughs> I want to dive into the book, but I'm curious, kind of a little bit of background on you, if you could help our listeners a little bit. How did you get to the point where you are now published author? Because I know you've had your hands on a number of things
1: yeah my my background is as a designer in the technology industry, and my first sort of real job after college was working as a designer at a tech startup and like all new jobs, I wanted to you know do my best improve myself and there's the it, there were two things that I needed to figure out there was how to do the the technical and domain specific aspects of my job you know the things that are unique to that job but it was also for the first time the need for me to to develop the soft skills of, of self-management, you know, of how am I spending my time? How am I keeping track of things and staying on top of things? And uh, so found myself getting really obsessed with the world of productivity optimization, you know, like this was, this was in the early 2000s around the time when and everybody was reading David Allen, getting things done yep. and, you know, doing the, I had the full setup. I had the 43 folders. I had the inbox zero every day. I was, I was hardcore and it worked pretty well for me in those days, the world was a simpler place back then. Um, A couple of years later, we were, this company that I worked at, this startup, we were acquired by Google. And so all of a sudden I looked around and and I'm inside of this much, much bigger company and sort of watched as my time became dominated more and more by meetings and emails and administrative work and and less about, you know, the actual work, you know, the stuff that mattered, the stuff that uh, I did to create value in my role. Um, so I kind of leaned more and more into this, this you know, trying to be efficient and trying to just stay on top of everything and be as optimized as possible and found that you know, while I was, I was staying on top of things, I wasn't actually making time for the most important work. And so um, it wasn't until I moved to Google Ventures, which is a, a part of Google that invests in outside startups. It wasn't until then that I had a chance to go into some other companies and work with some other teams and start to recognize that this was not a personal failure. This was not a unique challenge that I was having. This is something that everybody struggles with, no matter how sophisticated the company, no matter how high tech and well-funded and cutting edge the company is. Um, And while I was at Google Ventures, um, my my good friend and co-author, Jake Knapp, and I, we kind of treated those companies as our laboratory, our time laboratory where we'd go in, reset some of their defaults of how they work, of how they spend time. We developed the design sprint process, which is this way for teams to come together and kind of focus together on solutions to their biggest problems or opportunities. And um, and then after a few years of doing that, we, we thought, well, what if we could translate these ideas and these lessons we're learning from Team-based work into everyday sort of individual-based work, and kind of develop a framework or an operating system for helping us each spend time on the things that matter most to us. And so, um, at that point, sort of made this switch from being a designer to being you know focused full-time on on writing. And and now it's you know it's a lot of um, similar to what what you do. It's you know going inside of organizations and teams, and and doing a mix of training and coaching and creating resources to help them really question and change those defaults that normally govern how everybody operates and put into place a new set of defaults, a new set of systems that help people structure their time around the things that are most important.
0: Yeah, and I love hearing that and, and why we talk such shared language because a lot of us, especially when we're in a similar position as yourself, when we feel like our, our time is being pulled, we try to figure out how to be more efficient at, maybe a lot of our tasks, maybe our to-do list. Uh, and one of the things I love talking to folks about is taking that step back of evaluating, are we actually being effective? Are we achieving yeah. more, but just staying busy versus doing the things we need to? And so I'm curious from your end, because that's something that you see it from the CEO level. For instance, if you're in a company working, coaching, consulting them, sometimes the last thing people want to do is take a day away from work. right? Go work on this stuff, when in all reality, like they need that space to better optimize it what are the excuses you usually hear besides the i'm too busy and what are some of the things you always tell people to at least open their minds up to the idea that there could be a better way
1: sure i i get a lot of pushback from people who are in sales or or customer support (laughs) roles you know particularly when when i talk about technology and i encourage people to reset the defaults of, of their technology devices and um, one of the most powerful tactics that we talk about is the idea of a distraction-free phone. And so this is taking your, your phone and not just turning off notifications or rearranging the icons on the home screen, which is, which is helpful, but, but going one step further and actually removing the apps that, that pull at your brain, the apps that you find yourself sort of mindlessly pulling to refresh and, and, and you know, turning on and streaming, um without really making a deliberate decision around it and and in that bucket for a lot of people is email you know a lot of people find themselves checking email constantly throughout the day which is really challenging because when you're standing in line at the coffee shop and you check an email 90 percent of the time you can't do anything about that email you know all it does is it adds a little layer of of worry or anxiety um, it takes you away from whatever it is um, you know you you want to be focused on, and so when we talk about that, especially with with sales and, and customer support uh, folks, you know a lot of times they say, "Wait a second, that's like my whole job is being responsive to customers and being available." And so what we usually do with those people is we try to we try to get to the core of of where their value comes from and. I find that when we really kind of dig into it and analyze it, the value is not in responding in, in five minutes versus an hour or even two hours or three hours. The value is in being there and giving the solutions and the support to customers and partners that they need in a way that that exceeds expectations um, and it, it's it's interesting because it's there's such a knee jerk reaction to saying well I, I need to be on email all the time, but when we slow down and look at it we realize that by by making ourselves less reactive and a little bit less responsive we can actually be better colleagues we can be better partners we can be better friends and humans and all those things like we need that space to truly do our best and so um, you know even in pe- even with people who who have a knee jerk reaction, we can usually get there by sort of trying to dig into where the core of the value comes from.
0: Well, and there's two key components of what you just said that I want to make sure our listeners are aware of. And the first being that, you know, when you check that email, and I can say this from personal experience, you check that email in the coffee shop and you don't immediately respond to it, then yeah, it's just hanging over you in the back of your head and you see it in the inbox and you're like, I've got to get back to that.
1: Versus. There's a concept in uh, in cognitive research. There's a concept called attention residue. Maybe you've heard of that, but yeah, it, it is literally like this residue that builds up every time you you pay attention to something that you you can't resolve at that moment. You're just building up this layer after layer of of goo that kind of just like slows down everything else you're doing.
0: Yeah, and it it just hangs there, and and that's where I found myself really struggling for a while. Of like, all right, I've got to set alarms for me. It's alarms throughout the day, to check email, like certain right. times throughout yeah. the day. Um, and there's a few times where I've got some back and forth where I need to be a little more in tune with it. Um, but just setting that schedule was helpful. The other piece that you talked about is setting not only setting those expectations of where you're getting your value and your worth, but you teach people how to treat you. And in sales, especially if you, if you jump at every single thing, you can be attentive, but sometimes organizations and people take advantage of that and they can run with it versus like you just mentioned, taking just that half a second, take that breath, take a little bit of space to better deliver that result. That answer actually helps you in the long run versus just jumping in and so that's, that's something I find and really try to work on as well because, I mean, as our listeners know, we can jump and we can run. And, and I think for a lot of people that listen to this show, and I'm sure yourself included, we're not under the mindset that, you know, in sales, when you email me, I want to make you wait. Like I'm the, I'm the girl or the guy that, you know, just reached out about the date. I'm going to make you sweat it a little bit before I respond. <laughs> I want to be proactive and respond to you, but I want to be like loaded. If, if you're a sales client, I want to be able to do a little research. So when yeah. we get on that call, I know about you. I know a little bit more about what you do. And so you sharing that is, is a huge help for those listening of like, you don't have to jump immediately, take that breath, be better prepared because then the, the call or the conversation can go dramatically further. Let me ask you on, on your book. Cause one of the things I really enjoyed about it is really just the personal way it's written. And I say that as someone, I try to read 30 to 40 books a year. I'm usually reading and rereading books. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there's only a few that I, when I finish, I'm like, I really enjoyed that. This is going on my, I know I'm going to read again shelf. And this is being one of them because it's about focusing on every aspect of life. Like that's where I think you guys have done a great part. It's not just, here's how you focus better on your business or your career, but here's how you make the time for the things in life that matter because as we know, no one has the time, we have to make the time. And so from your kind of personal life, did you start to notice that you weren't making that same time when you were there with Google Ventures or, or right before that? Or is this something like earlier in life when you were a kid or in high school that you just kind of neglected certain areas that looking back, you're like, man, wish I'd made more time for that stuff.
1: Mm. You know if anything, the way that I grew up I think um, informed by my, my sense of normal or my sense of of what normal should be and provided kind of a north star for me to try to get back to because I grew up I was a nerdy kid in a small town in Wisconsin, and this was pre pre internet pre pre facebook pre iphone pre everything yeah um, and so my you know my days, especially like when I think about the summer, or I think about the weekends, you know, my days were, were just long stretches of uninterrupted time to just dig into whatever I was into. You know, and sometimes I was into, you know, trivial, you know, whatever, kid stuff. Yeah. But, but the sense of, of just being free to totally focus. Um, and that stuck with me. And so, you know, as I went through that process of going from college to, to working at that startup to then being inside of Google that feeling slipped away. You know, that that sort of became fuzzier and fuzzier until I didn't even, I had nothing like that in my in my day. You know, maybe if I was lucky, I'd have an hour in between meetings where I could get into doing some, some design work, you know, some deep focused work. Um, and so, you know, that became kind of my, almost my mission was to get back to that. And as I started talking to other people about it, I realized that they were all they all had a similar feeling. They all, all had this sense that if they had the time, they knew what they would do with that time. You know, like the people that I work with, for the most part, you know, when I say, what do you want to make time for? They have an answer or they have a couple of answers and, and they know. And so, um, you know, that that just became like a really clear North Star. But um, But as we were running design sprints and we were, we were kind of in this laboratory of going inside a company and changing the ways that they worked for one week only right saying let's clear the calendar let's reset the ways you do everything let's let's ban devices from the room let's do this dramatically different way of working we would, we would see amazing benefits. You know, we'd see, wow, we were able to do in five days what normally would take five weeks or even five months. And it wasn't just us feeling this, you know, it was the people that we were working with, the teams um, who were, you know, designers and engineers and marketers and product managers, and even the CEOs and CTOs of these companies, they would say the same things to us. They'd say, by changing these defaults, we were able to get done in five days what normally would have taken months. But then the sort of natural next question was like, well, what about what about us like what about what we want outside of work um, and that really motivated uh, our desire to translate those lessons and those philosophies into the framework that became make time
0: so as a designer you see the world differently than certain other people and yeah, i so. <laughs> um i'm curious of the lessons and things you you and jake shared in this book uh what was this the hardest for you to personally achieve—that's
1: a good question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question before. Um, so you're gonna get a—you're gonna get a fresh answer. Okay. I think so. All right. So there's there's kind of there's basically four big lessons. There's four big ideas. Um, the first is to is to start each day by choosing a highlight for that day. So proactively asking yourself what do i want to be the highlight of this day what is the one thing that i want to bring my best attention and focus to the next part is is what we call laser and that's about reconfiguring the environment of your tools your technologies so that you are you are free to focus you're not distracted um the the third part is is energized and that's all about taking care of your body so that you can bring your best energy to those moments that really matter and then the fourth part is Is reflect and this is really about taking a minute to look back on the day, to pay attention to what was working, what maybe what didn't work, and make tweaks again for tomorrow, and to treat your time with the same level of kind of analytical and critical rigor that we apply to our work and to our our workouts and to our diets and all that other stuff. I think for me the hardest lesson to internalize and to make automatic, um, and it's still an ongoing struggle for me, is the energized piece because I'm I'm the sort of person where when I get in the zone and I get going on something, I'll forget to eat, I'll forget to take a break, I will, you know, I'll stay up too late and get up too early and I just, I don't take care of myself. Um, and even though I have, I have crashed and burned so many times and even though I have seen this with the teams that we work with in design sprints, you know, I've seen when we push them too hard, we get to the end of the week and everybody's just, just ruined. Um, it's still a really hard thing for me to, to kind of stick to. And so what I've tried to do to sort of work around that is to rely on scheduling. So really build, a, I use a template that I, or a, a tactic that I call calendar template. So I actually template out my days um, with all the big building blocks of when I'm gonna wake up, when I'm gonna eat, when I'm gonna take a break, when my working blocks are, when my administrative kind of, you know, catch up on email blocks are. Um, So I try to schedule that stuff in. I try to um, build habits around those things, you know, so intentionally craft habits around the things that I know that I won't otherwise do. Um, And then to use accountability and support, you know, to make commitments to other people around certain things, around meals, around workouts, et cetera. Um, uh, So that's been the hardest one for me. And it's the one that I think often gets left out of this conversation. You know, when we talk about productivity or focus, it's all, it's all above the shoulders, you know, it's all about what's going on in our brains, but our brains and bodies are connected, uh, not just by our necks, but like in a very deep way, Um, and so we need to take care of the whole body if we want to be able to use our, use our brains to, to our potential.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent agree. I mean, it's, as you talked about physically burning out, you're you know, going to bed too late, waking up too early all week. You wonder why when you get to Friday, your body is just spent, but not only that, like, you know what you probably should be doing or shouldn't be doing, but the willpower and discipline is completely gone by that point
1: because yeah. you haven't
0: taken care of those energy levels leading up to it. And you only have that finite supply.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so one way to think about all of this, this work that I do is, is about finding ways to outsource willpower and outsource discipline, because when it comes to, you know, if you look at the, the research on habits, you know, and habits are formed anytime we do something repeatedly, whether we want to form a habit or not, it just happens. Anything we do repeatedly, it could be something we do every day, every week, every month, there's actually research showing that, um, that voting or not voting is, is fundamentally a habitual process. It's it's governed by the same part of our brain that determines like what we do when we wake up in the morning, for example. Interesting. Um, and it only happens, you know, once every couple of years. So anytime we do something repeatedly, the habitual part of our brain takes over. And the research is is pretty clear that sort of ongoing application of willpower is not enough to, to overcome that, you know, those automatic actions. And so my philosophy is that for the things that we, that we know we need that ongoing help with, as much as possible, we should try to outsource those. We should try to reconfigure our technology, reconfigure our environments, set up our schedules, make commitments to other people, Whatever we can do so that at the end of the week, we don't have to, we don't have to like, you know, look deep in the well for that last little ounce of willpower. You know, everything's, everything's just set up for us. Everything's just happening the way we want it to happen. And so the path of least resistance becomes the path that we want to be on. You know, the, the easy choice is also the right choice.
0: I love that. I love that. Make the easy choice the right choice, or make the right choice the easy choice. Yeah, so
1: that's a better way to say it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No,
0: John, this has been fantastic. So obviously, I'm posting about this in our community. Uh, we're talking about your book. People absolutely should pick it up on Amazon. But where else can they connect with you online?
1: Yeah, If people are interested in getting started with these ideas and digging in a little bit deeper. You should check out MakeTime.blog which is our website. It's a hub for articles, resources, events, training, um, our our online course, um, everything that can help you figure out ways to really structure your time around the things that matter to you.
0: Love it. I love it. John, man, thank you so much for making time today for us hanging out here on this show. Um, I enjoyed our conversation. I'm glad you took the curveball of which challenge was the, the most challenging, I should say, for you? For me, it was the reflection. It wasn't until yeah. I got into the habit of journaling uh, that I would actually go back and do the reflection. And, and now a couple yep. of quick tips because uh, we rush through the day. We mentally say, man, next time I'd love to do that differently. And then we forget about it and we get in that spot again and we do what we did last time exactly. versus planting yep. the seed where we're just like, ah, creating that space, which is exactly what you talked about instead of jumping on the email immediately and things like that. Man, this has been fun. Definitely. We may have to do this again on the show for our yeah, listeners, yeah, but absolutely. Uh, appreciate your time.
1: Yeah. Likewise. Thanks again, Jake.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the compete everyday podcast to get in touch with me or the show. Email us at podcast at To join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts, and their life, be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Until the next episode, keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.